Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Dayton Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Dayton Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you, and you are in for a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with all service glass out of Dayton, Ohio, Mr. Eric Weikert. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, it is an absolute delight to have you on the show. Would you give us a little bit of an overview, uh, mission, purpose? What are you guys out there trying to do for folks, Eric? Well, you know, I think most of what we do is is really glass-related, but we try to put things in a bigger perspective, and we really look to be a company that provides 100% satisfaction no matter what, and we're dedicated to that. And, and we do it for a purpose beyond that in terms of we want to create a value for folks and make a difference in every life we touch. And this goes back to my philosophy, uh, really, growing up. I love small business. I think there's nothing better than to be a, a part of a small business. Uh, I, I've always wanted to, to be a leader in business. Sometimes in my life, I wanted to run big businesses. Sometimes I, I just love the fact of being able to be involved in a small business. And I think there's nothing greater that you can do as a person or as an organization than uh, offer somebody an opportunity to work in an area that they can have an impact, have a purpose, and have a meaningful career, and the opportunity for growth and the ability to, to be something more than what they started with. And I think small business delivers that better than, frankly, any other organization size. Well, you're certainly singing our song, uh, both for us here at Business Radio X and uh, our listener base and our, and our client base. Was there a particular triggering event that got you into this specific business? What's the backstory on that? Well, I have always loved understanding how businesses work. So different businesses, unless they're extremely technical, like engineering-based, None of them really scare me because I love understanding how business works. I understand how I love figuring out how people can be successful uh, in, in an industry doing things very differently, but can be still all be successful. So I ran a family owned business that was a medical equipment business and the local hospital came to us and, and uh, decided that they wanted to buy it. We sold it to them. I went to work for them, and I thought this would be a great opportunity for me working for a, a bigger company. And uh, the first year um, was a, a tough for me because we were growing at an accelerated pace. The hospital itself was not. So, for example, if I wanted to hire a part-timer, I had to have three signatures above me all the way up to a senior vice president. Ouch. <laughs> and Yes, exactly. So for somebody that's entrepreneurial driven and, and trying to do the right thing for the customer and the people you work with, that's th those are constraints that really take it out of you. So I went into my accountant uh, doing my year-end tax planning. And at the end of that session, I said, listen, this is literally killing me. I I've got to find a place, uh, a small business uh, that I can buy and run. Uh, and if you find any, let me know. Well, the very next day, 
the person that owned all service glass came in and said that they wanted to buy a car dealership. Did he know of anybody that wanted to buy a glass business? And literally within 90 days, we made that transition. Isn't that amazing? I, and I, I, I realize that sometimes we do sort of trip over some interesting opportunities and it feels like luck, but there's just something to that. When you start to open your eyes to new opportunities, they, they tend to surface, don't they? They absolutely do. I, I think that's a great observation that having your eyes open all the time and looking for opportunity and for people that have incredible potential and value beyond where they are now, uh, to be honest with you, you know, what, how we've been successful is not through me. It's really been through the folks that we've been able to attract and their dedication to, you know, our focus on customer satisfaction and, and having a purpose um, is, is really what has made us successful. And frankly, I've been involved in, in helping several businesses uh, transition by helping identify people that had far more potential than where they were at in that moment. We just uh, a couple of years ago helped a young man buy a construction company and it's supposed to be a five-year plan. And within three years, he bought us out uh, and he's doing incredibly well. I'm incredibly proud of them, what they've done and how they've done it. And it brings me incredible joy far beyond, uh, you know, other things that you can measure probably in checking accounts and savings accounts. It, it gives me more joy knowing that we've done that as an organization and a group that, uh, that just I can't even describe the comparison. So do you have a handful of disciplines or a checklist or some rules of thumbs that you uh, rules of thumb that you utilize to help you identify, recruit, select, and begin to develop new talent as, as you bring them in? If you do, I'd love to hear them, and I think our listeners would too. You know, it's kind of interesting that you asked that question. I think I've been spending more time trying to answer that question myself lately, you know, especially mm-hmm. through the, the virus. Yeah. Is how how do we continue to find and attract people that have this strong belief in satisfying the customer and making a difference in people's lives? And and I think if if we can get better at that, I know it's going to serve us well. If we can help identify those folks, so we have tried. We've tried interviewing opportunities. We've had just observing. You know, you, in a business like ours, we interact with you know two hundred people a day. Uh, and we try to get all of our folks to look for those people that have that same desire uh, to improve themselves, to grow, to be a part of something that that uh, serves people well. So I don't necessarily have a checklist, but we do seem to be able to attract people uh, that have that same belief. When you identify a hole in your swing, um, and this is something I'm getting good at, <laughs> which I guess is step one, right, in the 12-step program. Right. I, but when you identify a hole in your swing, a, a gap, something, where do you go? Like, what's your process for, for mending that gap? I think you hit the first thing, right? Admitting you have a problem is the, is the first step. <laughs> Absolutely. I think... What we try to do here is go back to, again, our vision, mission, 
purpose values and say, how is what we're doing or not doing well? Where can we attack that to serve what we've said we're going to do? So, for example, we've we have uh, uh, had opportunities through this virus to try to figure out how to treat our own folks well and our customers well and develop that. And we always go back to either 100% customer satisfaction. Is what we're doing making a difference in somebody's lives? You know, are we doing it with integrity and with a drive for quality? And are we really doing it for service? If we aren't, there's, that's generally where we have to start to make the change. We have the opportunity. We can see it. Then if we can use those guiding principles, we generally can figure it out. It may take us a while, frankly, you know, and, and we have plenty of bumps in the road. Uh, but we are dedicated to turning those bumps in the road around. So I think it's a great question. I think it's something that everyone's going to face during, especially these times, but even in the future, as technology changes, as society you know, grows and challenges itself, I think we're going to continue to have to look back at a set of standards, a set of guidelines. If you want to put it you know, back to just the word purpose, what is our purpose? Are we serving our purpose by how we're doing what we're doing right now? So the foundation, as you suggested, is uh, kind of centered around being uh, diligent and uh, willing to look yourself in the mirror and have that conversation and then take some action in that direction. But you're also a big believer of looking the other person in the eye. That's a specific quote I I, I dug up from some of your materials. Can you talk about that a little bit? And I think it actually leads back to to what you're saying. So Again, to paint a little bit of a picture, I grew up in a family-owned business. Literally, we were right bes- lived right beside it. When my father came over for dinner, my mother went over and ran the pharmacy counter, and they just literally went out of wide, one side door to the other. Mm-hmm. So very early, I learned that serving your customers and your neighbors, in that case, it was literally a neighborhood drugstore. There's a direct relationship between doing that and doing that well and food on the table, literally. And then we all started working in the business. So in those days, you could almost describe it like a family farm. We all started working around third grade, emptying trash cans, et cetera. And then we worked our way up to, you know, two of my siblings are pharmacists. So had a big impact on our family. But my mother's father and and mother owned a farm in a little town called LaRue, Ohio. And every summer they rotated us kids through, I think kind of as a helping hand, frankly. And also, it was great to have 100% attention of grandparents when you come from a family of five kids. Uh, And so we worked hard while we were on the farm, no doubt about it. One of the things you look forward to is if it rained that day, grandpa would take you into town because you couldn't do your chores if it was raining. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, manure doesn't shovel very well when it's wet. (laughs) Uh, That's one of the things I learned. But anyways, as we were going in, I'll never forget this day. I was probably 13, maybe, and we're riding into town, as he called it, and town literally was uh, three three stores, a, a church, and a funeral home, only sidewalks on one side of the street, and because it rained, there were a lot of farmers at the, at, at the breakfast place, as my grandpa used to call it, <laughs> and we had to park a little ways down, and we start walking up, and there's a man on the sidewalk walking towards us, and he crosses the street. 
And I've always been an observer of people, even young. And I'm trying to understand why somebody would cross the street. There's no sidewalks on the other side. It's raining. And I turn around and watch him and he crosses behind us. And I say, hey, Grandpa, why would that guy do that? And he said, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. So we go inside. You know, I'm, I'm very interested and focused. And you know, as soon as we sit down and I say, you know, Grandpa, tell me the story. He says, just wait a minute. Later on, as I, I thought about it, he didn't want to say anything in front of the waitress. So we ordered our, our food and got our orange juice and coffee in, in his case. And we're sitting there and say, okay, Grandpa, tell me. And he says, well, son, that man did something to me that he can't look me in the eye. And mm. you don't want to live your life that way. Wow. So when we, when we have onboarding with our fellow uh, employees here, I tell that story because I don't want them to be in line at the grocery store. I don't want them to be at church. I don't want them to be at a basketball game or a football game. And for them to be worried about looking somebody in the eye for what we do as an organization, we always want to be able to do everything we have to do to be able to be proud of what we do and to be able to look somebody right straight in the eye and tell them we did all we could do to get them to that satisfaction level and to make a difference for them. What a marvelous story and a terrific illustration. That's something that it, it will stick with me and I'm sure it sticks with the people that that you're working with, you've, I can just tell your energy comes through, uh, over the phone. Incidentally, listeners, we're not in studio. We're kind of, some of you who may be listening to this in 2021 or 2022, we're neck deep in this COVID-19 thing. We don't even have a studio in Dayton really yet. It's, we're doing this work, uh, virtually, but even coming over the, the zoom, which is the technology we're using right now, uh, Eric, your, your, your energy and, and your genuine uh, desire to, to serve comes through. So you've already touched on this a lot, but but I, I'm going to ask it anyway. At this point, what are you finding the most rewarding about your work? I think, you know, as a guy that's approaching 60, it's interesting because you start having these slideshows in your head almost of, of things that went well, things that didn't go well, opportunities. And, and most of my focus is on really giving people opportunity that maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity and giving and providing an environment where they can be successful uh, and, and serve, you know, not everybody's cut out for that. Uh, and not every, you know, not every entrepreneur has that kind of drive for that execution, but that's always been me. And I'm most proud of the people I get to work with and, and extremely proud of the work they do uh, in, in satisfying our customers. We have an incredibly high satisfaction rate and we work to make it a hundred percent every day. So uh, I think that that's really probably the heart of when you look at your life and you look at success and, and you think about relationships, in my opinion, and, and most of this is about relationships. Um, and I, I really hate to see talent wasted. Um, there's, there's just so much of it that is wasted. And, and frankly, my example, I, I don't think large companies um, really do that as well as small businesses. I think we're much better mm. at developing people and, and turning someone from, uh, you know, not being 
uh, successful or having the opportunity to grow to give them that opportunity. And that's why I'm so passionate about small business. This is a much more tactical question than, than we've taken the conversation so far, but, but I am curious because I'm sort of from the professional services world, um, but how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a company uh, like All Service Glass? Well, because we're in several different markets, you know, some of it's referral based, some it's business to business, some of it's direct, you know, over the kitchen table, uh, you know, uh, discussions that what we focus in on is trying to deliver just what I've been saying uh, in terms of 100 percent customer satisfaction. And what's interesting, uh, we do track, you know, lead generation in, in certain parts of the business. And what's amazing is, and I think it goes back to really our focus on these kind of things, that over almost seventy percent of the people that are refer or that they come to us are referred by either a customer uh, or an employee. Wow. Think about that. Think about the money that that people spend marketing. Uh, just to fill the funnel. Uh, and we don't look at it as a funnel. You know, we expect every person that calls us for us to be able to fulfill their needs. Uh, and so it's, it's a pipe to us. It's not a funnel. So we try to treat every single person, well, you know, look them in the eye, as I say, and also that we should be the one to service them. We're the best at what we do. We deliver the best quality and value, and we provide a, a great opportunity for it to be to be delivered. So I, I don't know if I answered your question exactly, uh, but I think the facts uh, support that you can do things differently uh, and you don't have to follow a model uh, that maybe somebody else designed for your industry. Uh, you can come up with your own as long as it's tied to your purpose your direction, your, you know, vision for what you want to be. Well, well, you did answer my question, but more importantly, I'll tell you what you did for me. You, you opened my eyes and my mind. 30 minutes ago, if someone would have asked me about your business, I would have been under the impression that yours would be a more transactional kind of business. And, and it's at least the way you choose to run it. You're not in the transactional type of business at all. It truly is relationship oriented, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if, if you're going to have 70% of, of your customers be <laughs> referred to you, it's a relationship business, right? Right. And I, and I can't, I can't say that our industry runs it that way. I, you know, frankly, uh, it, I don't believe that to be the case. But I, I guess the, the amazing thing for me is I always believed that relationship was the best basis, however you can deliver that in, in, in it, because you have to be able to look somebody eye in a relationship, right? Yeah. And, and they have to understand what you're about uh, or you can't have a relationship. So I'm extremely proud of that. You know, there are days I probably doubted it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, that's why sticking to your, your standards and your values are important because there are some days it doesn't feel like that. But when you take a step back 
and consider that, it's kind of amazing because you're right. Most of our industries look at this as a pure transaction, a one-off, and we don't. We absolutely don't. Before we wrap, uh, one more question. What's next for you? Where are you going to be putting your energy in the next, I don't know, 6, 12 months? We're working very hard here to be able to identify how to take our culture and, and, and use it in either acquisitions or, or opening new markets. And we don't know quite how to do it. You know, it's, it's one of those things that we have developed this culture over time. And we just assume that the, the next person walking in will, uh, you know, a, as a, a teammate, will, will accept it and take it on. And we've proven to ourselves that's not quite the case. Those that we do find that are like this, you know, like us, love the environment. But when we go, like we did an acquisition. So for over these next 12 months, we have to figure out what it really is. We have to be able to describe our culture. We need to be able to implement it. We need to be able to hold people accountable to living to those standards and that'll be a great challenge for us because we do it through osmosis uh, in most cases. That's kind of how we've grown and, and with people. Uh, so it'll be a real challenge. In addition, you know, I, uh, I family in the business. And at some point in time, we have to, to continue to work out how that transition works. You know, I, I so hopefully listening to me, you get the idea that I could probably leave here tomorrow and go do something else and love it. Yeah. Um, I'm always, uh, you know, enthused about that. So I also don't want to be in the way. If there's a group of people here that can run it better than me, I'll go find something else to do. Uh, so I, I think those are the challenge personally. And then the, the first challenge is really uh, us as an organization to understand and figure out how to replicate this culture, either in an acquisition or in uh, new startups. Well, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that you and your team are up for the challenge. If someone would like to reach out and have a conversation along these lines or learn more about all service glass, uh, have a conversation with you or someone on your team, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Whatever you think is appropriate, phone, email, website, LinkedIn, you know, whatever. Yeah. So our website is, uh, www.allserve without the e on serve glass.com and anyone should feel you know more than willing to call us at 1-800-521-7059 but we are on facebook and i'm on linkedin and i think uh, the company's on linkedin and some other things and we have a we have a, uh, a twitter feed and all those kind of things um, but just, and I think you can tell that I'm probably more of a phone call kind of guy anyways. So yeah. <laughs> if anybody ever wants to, to, to call us, uh, please do. And, and from a business standpoint, I've learned so much from other business owners. I've surrounded myself with, with other great business owners to talk to, cause it's lonely, frankly, mm. uh, in a small business, it gets very lonely. And so it's important to reach out to others. And I think, uh, you know, there's an organization in Dayton, uh, Aileron, that's very, very good at connecting people and providing education and providing opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, so I'd also recommend that 
uh, people access that organization. People from all over the country come to Aileron, but certainly in uh, the Ohio, Indiana area, it's a great resource. Well, thanks for the pro tip on that aileron. Okay, fantastic. Well, Eric, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing your story. Well, thanks for inviting me. I've had a great time. All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Eric Weichart, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Dayton Business Radio. (laughs) 